I think being told no is it can represent so much for us and it also reveals to us how much we are tied to the yes how much our identity is tied to the yes and what we think success looks like because if we think success is just getting told yes then we are and we're putting so much of our identity in that thing coming to fruition whether it's a work thing or a relationship thing or whatever have you then when that the no comes you like your entire identity is broken down with it <laughs> you know you're like but i put everything into that and so then you the no feels way worse but if we can see success is still i gave it my all or i put my heart out there or i worked really hard for this to happen and it was really stressful and that's there's still a success within that right and uh, really press into is this a pause moment is this a okay get back up and try again moment or is this a redirection moment it's gonna be one of those things hi friends it's Brittany Moses and you're listening to the faith and mental wellness podcast the podcast at the intersection of faith culture, and mental health, where we get to dive into expert insights and the realities of those with lived experience to help us live more insightful, connected, and wholehearted lives. We understand that the views shared here are respectively held by each individual and is not a substitute for professional care or an alternative to seeking personal help from a clinician or provider and is ours to discern. So sit with us. You're listening to episode 47. Hey friends, thanks for joining us for another episode on the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast. Today, we are diving into the topic of dun-dun-dun, rejection. Rejection is one of those things that no one really wants to face or experience, but just kind of comes with life. It's a part of life and oftentimes a necessary part of life, especially when it comes to redirecting us toward things that are more fitting. I know that oftentimes we can look back on things that maybe doors that closed or or didn't open in our lives and we look back and we go, you know what, actually it was a good thing that that happened because it led me on another path that was so much better for myself. There's also this idea that not everyone is always going to like us or agree with us or maybe follow us in a social media day and age and there's nothing we can do about that we can't control people's preferences and that's okay all we can do is show up in who we are called and created to be and so it also brings into the conversation the topic of failure quote unquote and how we are viewing uh failures or setbacks and how much of our identity we're tying into these things so today i got to have kind of a down-to-earth heart-to-heart with my good girlfriend kate warman and And if you aren't familiar, she is a returning guest. We actually did an episode, episode 11, on how to heal and recover from a devastating heartbreak. We even talk about ghosting in this episode as, you know, online dating is on the rise and getting ghosted sucks for anyone. So we are diving into all the things. And Kate is an inspirational speaker, a popular relationship coach, and the host of the Heart of Dating podcast. She helps thousands of men and women on their journeys through the conversations on her podcast, social media platforms, one-on-one relationship coaching, and online courses. And she lives out here with me in the Los Angeles area and loves sunshine, walks, Jesus, and listening to Celine Dion. She also loves Disney. So yeah, she is phenomenal, not only as a girlfriend, but I appreciate her vulnerability and her honesty through these 
topics and the willingness to openly share her story as we celebrate her latest book, Thank You for Rejecting Me. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Kate. Let's dive in. Kate, my good, dear, dear friend, I'm so glad that you're back on the podcast. How are you? Brittany girl, so happy to be here. I am doing well. Oh my gosh. I'm just grateful. We are in sunny California in, you know, the quote unquote winter right now. So, so sorry for everyone listening who is not (laughs) in beautiful weather, but right now it's like sunny and perfect. So I'm doing great. We're soaking (laughs) it in. It's so funny. I posted like the scenery and the sun and the blue sky. And then people were messaging me on Instagram, like Jesus, send a storm. (laughs) I was like, hey. Don't don't hate the player, hate the game, you know. Yeah, yeah. We, we've kind of got it going on right now. That's why we pay the sunshine tax. That's, That's what I tell true. people. Like, we pay sunshine tax. That's okay, a so, good way to put hey, it. Hey, if you're jealous, I pay for it. Okay, so it's there's so a price true. tag to it, but that's also where I get to rub it in your face because <laughs> hey, I pay for it, and these are the moments I live for. <laughs> that's I'm going to start saying that now because I'm always like, yeah, you know, California is more expensive, but then it's you, you feel like it's worth it because of the weather. It's a sunshine beach tax. That's what it is. Exactly. Well, oh, that is it. That's so good. Okay, well, we're not here to talk about weather, but <laughs> this is us. Kate is my good, good friend. And for those of you who are just hearing about her for the first time, we actually had an episode uh, a few episodes back where we talked about how to move through and heal from a devastating breakup. Um, Kate has an amazing ministry, which you just heard about in her opening. But today we are here to talk about rejection dun 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 the thing know, that dun dun dun, 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 dun. dun. It, right it's the thing that it it just it just stings like no matter who you are how well you're doing how many achievements you've accomplished there's something about rejection that just hits you a certain kind of way and you kind of just have to reframe it um to even move on but you released your new book so proud yeah. I remember when yeah, you were just you. talking about writing it um, yes. called Thank You for Rejecting Me, um, which who says thank you for rejecting me? I'm so interested in <laughs> this whole approach and what led you to write about rejection. Yeah. So first of all, thank you for rejecting me is not what you say initially, probably. You're not like, well, thank you for rejecting me. Uh, I think it's the journey to get to the place where you actually believe like, wow, thank you for rejecting me. I see why that needed to happen now. Um, because it led me to a place to dive deeper into healing things about myself. It led me into a place of discovering things about myself. It led me to have space in my life to develop a new passion. It redirected me to this other opportunity that I wouldn't have gone for if I had gotten this one. And so I think thank you for rejecting me is, you know, it's a little sassy, like, "Mm, thank you for rejecting me. But also (laughs) there's a subtle notion of the whole concept that rejection is redirection. And I really believe that. And I, I believe it because the stories I wrote in this book are very intimate, but they're all about really, truly, as I've looked through my life and all the pains, the little T and big T traumas and all of that, I have seen how God has redeemed it and how my life has become turned around and been redirected in a different way. And I want to clarify that it's not that I want to go through those rejections again, or that I'm like, yeah, bring it on, you know, bring on the rejection. Yeah. (laughs) 
but it's like I have I know I see where the pain has been turned into purpose and I yeah. also um, am better equipped because of my mentality because of the things I've healed through because of the tools that I picked up along the way to fight against some of those fears and the lingering lies and things that come up with rejection in the future and even though some of the rejections I've been through have been really horrific, yeah, especially ones I talk about in the book, such as abuse and, and sexual abuse and things like that, mm-hmm. I still can look back and say, I'm not thankful for those people. Definitely not. Uh, right. But I needed some of the journey afterwards. The journey afterwards of healing from those things was super profound and transformative in my life. And also some of the hardest things I've ever had to go through as I've healed through that. But I believe that one day, okay, and very quickly, Brittany, I'm going to say this. Yeah. You know, last episode, we talked about breakups. Yeah. This week, okay, my book came out. Uh, and what was so exciting, I decided I'd been praying about this. I wrote a thank you for rejecting me letter to uh, a guy who rejected Mm. me a few years ago. And that breakup was what led me now today to start Heart of Dating, which then led me to write the book. And if he hadn't have rejected me and broken my heart and broken up with me, I honestly, truly do not believe that I would have had the space for God to develop that passion in my heart yeah. to then start Heart of Dating. It just would have never happened. So I literally sent him a copy of my book with this letter, oh not my gosh. in a spiteful way, yeah. like a truly like, hey, I'm thankful for you and thank you for rejecting me. <laughs> That's, full circle I was just going to say full circle. That's amazing. And that is also such a Kate thing to do. And I admire you so much for that. That's awesome. Oh, man. So I love it because the title really is a, it's basically a reframe, like in one line, and um, which is awesome. And so let's talk about the importance of failure and being told no. Because like you said, it's not one of those things that we want. Like we really just want to go from mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop. Uh, But that's not life. It's valleys and things grow in the valleys in ways that they do not grow on the mountaintops for sure. Um, We can both identify in our our stories. Um, And this is probably even a little tack on. But even in this world where say, we're wanting to show up more for our lives, put us ourselves out there more for our mission and our passion and having to face not everybody accepting us or not everybody uh, maybe liking us or right. the type of person we are, what we have to say. And just that whole thing that comes with showing up where you are going to encounter failure mm-hmm. and being told no and why that's actually important and understanding that that is part of the territory. Yeah. I think being told no is, it can represent so much for us. And it also reveals to us how much we are tied to the yes, Mm. how much our identity is tied to the yes and what we think success looks like. Because if we think success is just getting told yes, then we are, and we're putting so much of our identity in that thing coming to fruition, whether it's a work thing or a relationship thing or whatever have you, then when the the no comes, you like your entire identity is broken down with it. (laughs) You know, you're like, but I put everything into that. And so then the no feels way worse. Uh, but the, but if we can see success is still, I gave it my all, or I put my heart out there, or I worked really hard for this to happen. And it was really strenuous and that's there's still a success within that right Mm -hmm, or maybe mm -hmm. the success also looks at being redirected and 
having to then learn from that failure, whatever that failure may be. Uh, maybe it also looks like in some cases, especially in work examples, you you get told no. Sometimes the no is not a true like no, never, you know, sometimes it's a no, not for now. Uh, like, especially when it's in work. And so I think the no me really dictates how much perseverance we're willing to grasp onto and, uh, really press into, is this a pause moment? Is this a, okay, get back up and try again moment. Or is this a redirection moment? Yeah, It's going to be one of those things, you know, but we won't even get to that if we just get stuck in the lies and the belief that we are a failure. One of the chapters in my book is called the dreaded F word, which is failure. (laughs) The dreaded F word being failure and just how we mark ourselves with like the stamp of being a failure because things didn't pan out the way we thought they would. And just speaking to being an entrepreneur for a second, my gosh, like Mm -hmm. I've had to reframe what success looks like so much being an entrepreneur because you have a lot of fun, interesting ideas that you think are like the best thing ever. And the greatest part about being an entrepreneur is like you can make them happen and nobody else is going to stop you from making them happen. Right. But it also means that sometimes they don't work as you thought, <laughs> you know, you may try and you work really hard on a project or a concept or what it have you. And then like nobody cares about it like you do. And like you're like the response. What's the bump? Yeah. <laughs> Meeting what yeah. you hoped your what you were. Yeah putting into it. And if I, in those moments were like, Oh, I'm giving up then on my ministry. We're done. I'm done hard of dating. Like what? That would be such a terrible thing to be that discouraged that it led me to like being stunted in my entire career. Instead, in those moments where I failed, I'm like, okay, let's analyze this. Maybe my concept wasn't right on, or maybe I have to tweak some things, or maybe I have to redirect this and slim it down to be something else. Uh, it doesn't have to mean that I am a failure just because this one thing failed doesn't mean that I'm a failure. And I think that can apply to dating too. Just because this guy doesn't like me doesn't mean I'm not likable just because he's not interested doesn't mean I'm not interesting, you know? And so just because I failed at this project or whatever it is, doesn't mean I am labeled as a failure. Uh, And I think that's where we have to really transform that perspective when it comes to rejection. We personalize it. Oh, we personalize it so much. We're like, this rejection means that something terrible about me, you know, insert whatever it is. I me. Exactly. There is something wrong with me. I'm too much. I'm not enough. I'm not beautiful enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not interesting enough. I'm not unique enough. I'm not whatever enough. Or I'm too much of this, that, and the other. That comes up for me a lot. I have too many emotions. I'm I'm too too much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The fear of being too much is real. Exactly. Especially when you're three. And sometimes it has nothing. It literally most of the time has nothing to do with you. Like the rejection, the failure, like if your application got turned down for a job, it could have nothing really to do with you. And just like they had a lot of other applications. So try again somewhere else, you know, like it doesn't mean you suck or that your resume sucks. (laughs) It's just not a fit. And that's what it comes down to a lot. A lot of times it's just not the right fit. And that's okay because that just actually opened the door for you to find a better fit somewhere. And there's a couple things that you're saying that I really love that I really wanted to just pull out and highlight. And that that's that identity piece where it's like separating who you are from what's happened to you. Like, you know, um, that whole piece and really thinking about where your identity is planted and where it's rooted. Because if it's rooted in people's responses, then your view of yourself is always going to be up and down if it's based on people's yeah. opinions and choices, which is something that you can't control. And that is their independent decision. 
to choose mm. one way and you have the autonomy to choose another way. And I just love what you're saying about that whole identity piece is just rerouting your identity in something else that you said. And that's the in the process and falling in love mm. with the process instead mm. of just the result. And I totally agree with you. Once I started taking, looking at life that way and my own work that way and just even healing that way, just really yes. soaking in the process of what you're learning and the process of the joy and the pleasure of being able to do what it is you want to do, you yes. know, um, and then saying, hey, God, you know, whatever you do with this, have your way. And, yeah. and then that's actually when you are surprised, right? He blows your mind. Yes. And so falling in yeah. love with the process instead of the results, because the results will come. But either way, you learn something in that process for the next thing that's either the next relationship or the next project or whatever it is that's coming. So I just love those two things there mm. that I wanted to pull out and just sit in. <laughs> Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, we're going to get right back to the conversation because trust me, I know you'll want to hear the whole thing. But I quickly wanted to share with you this exciting new partnership I have with BetterHelp. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P. One of the questions I get asked a lot are how you can go about starting therapy. A number of you are located around the country and even around the world. And as helpful as I often like to be, sometimes I find myself limited in being able to provide the one-on-one -on -one resources that you need. Well, I'm happy to say that one option I can share with you today is BetterHelp's online therapy and counseling services with licensed mental health professionals. Since I know a lot of you guys want more faith-based counseling as well, I'm even more excited to share that they also have another service called Faithful Counseling, which has licensed Christian therapists and counselors who are certified by their state, where you can receive licensed counseling using your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through video calls, phone calls, or text messaging. So I use BetterHelp therapy. I've been using it myself, and it's been super convenient, you know, between school, work, and really just having someone to check in with on a regular basis has been so important for my own mental health. So what happens is when you sign up, you'd be matched with a counselor in 24 hours or less, and you can securely message your counselor anytime, any day, you know, day or night, and get replies within 24 to 48 hours. BetterHelp also has group in our sessions every week where you can learn in groups directly from licensed counselors on multiple topics like relationships and ways to overcome anxiety. Uh, I also found out that financial aid is available for those who qualify and you can apply for financial aid during the sign up process. Hello. Additionally, listeners of the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast like you get 10% off of their first month using my specific link in the show notes below. And like I said, I know a number of you are around the world. BetterHelp is available worldwide. And if you want to get started and get matched with a counselor within the next 24 hours, I have links to both BetterHelp and Faithful Counseling in the show notes. I should mention that it is not a crisis line, okay? If you are experiencing a crisis, I have a link to all the crisis lines by country in the show notes as well. Check it out and let me know what you think. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. What I've been saying to myself, even as a reminder, as I've launched yeah. a book, which is again, a big mm -hmm. thing. 
I've been reminding myself and submitting to God that I want to surrender to the process and not be controlled by the process or try to control the process, you know, so surrender to the process. It will be what it's going to be. But when I try to control the process or control the relationship or whatever it is, it never, it becomes suffocated and it never has the ability to truly bloom as it should. And I see that so often in a variety of areas of life. When we want our hands so tightly wrapped around it, which as an entrepreneur, as an Enneagram 3, this is very hard for me. Right there but with you. <laughs> there's a balance between working hard or committing or giving it your all in a relationship, but not suffocating it, controlling it. Instead, be surrendered to the process. And that is just my, every day I've been praying that. I'm like, okay, God, today it's a reminder to not try to control the process or be controlled by it, but instead just surrender to it. And know that everything goes in waves and I want to enjoy it and submit whatever outcome is to you. Yeah. Oh, yes. I'm like letting (laughs) it soak. I'm learning how I get so excited about conversations and just talking them like, okay, I got to let it sit. Right. So, (laughs) so something that I have to talk about with you being on, I feel like this is a unique space, unique conversation that we haven't had on here yet. Um, is okay. So everything we're talking about really, a lot of times it comes down to something's just not a fit or it's not a fit at that time. Right. I remember, for example, with my current relationship, Jason and I both dated like a couple times we said before each other and those, and those dates, we both said, we were both like, they didn't go bad. Like they were actually decent dates. We had a good time, but for some reason, like the communication fell off and it just didn't work out. But then we ran into each other and it's, I mean, it really was just the perfect fit. And we're like, thank God, mm-hmm. actually, that for whatever reason, it wasn't like it was bad. Those were went wrong, right? Yeah. Um, so in the dating yeah. world, uh, <laughs> you know, we have this modern day thing of ghosting. And I feel like oh I have gosh. to bring this up. This wasn't original, yes, This wasn't originally in my questions, but I'm like, it's Kate. We got to talk about it. Well, um, let's go there. That's that a, has to do rejection and 100%. It's a, yeah, yeah, and it's a strange rejection because it's it doesn't feel like it has closure, right? And that's the part that is really wounding or hurtful because you don't know. Like you don't know why the person's not talking to you or what was wrong. And so then you're kind of left wondering. Um, and it's so funny because Jason thought I was ghosting him but I was actually really busy and he was like are we still going on a date <laughs> like for our first date <laughs> so we have that oh joke God. he thought he was getting ghosted but he's he's still here but um but that's a real <laughs> thing <laughs> but that's yes. a real thing so let's talk about ghosting how do we how do you know for those who are listening that have been ghosted or are experiencing this time and time again like how do we how do we deal with that like and not just feel oh. totally like something's completely wrong Okay. I love this. So I deal with ghosting a few different ways. Um, usually, by the way, usually typically I call out the ghoster, but I'm done with them at that point. Like I, cause here's what we have to do. Oftentimes in relationships, our mentality is like, do they like me? Uh, are they, am I going to be chosen by them? Like our mindset is all that almost anxious. Like, am I going to be chosen? Are they going to keep me? Do they like me? Yeah. Like we're thinking about that. And what I like to empower people to do is let's flip the script and let's say, do you like them? Do you want to choose them? 
you're trying to analyze them just as much as, you know, they're looking at analyzing you. So you have, bring the power back to yourself, you know, empower yourself that, Hey, you're watching them and how they are. And so let's think if we break it down that way, do you want to be with somebody who ghosts? I mean, what is ghosting? Yeah. 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 They're going to run at any sign of Exactly. Ghosting is a a sign of maturity in somebody. And I think it really is a a picture of if they can have uncomfortable conversations, if they are mature enough for that, if they care enough about humanity and people to do that and swallow their pride. Because, you know, no matter how awkward it is, if you're not interested, just tell the person I'm no longer interested. Uh, But ghosting is just, ooh, it is immature and it's not kind. And so think about it. If somebody ghosts you and you're trying to think, what did I do wrong? Is it something with me? Is something I said, you know, we go into this litany and I'm like that all ties back to why they didn't choose you or like you or whatever. But let's flip it back to, do you want to choose them or like them now that you know that they're a person that would ghost because there is really no reason to ghost unless you were abusive. (laughs) Like in my opinion. There's no reason to ghost or unless there was a giant family emergency, somebody died and now you're off the grid, right? Yeah. I would ghost someone who was abusive to me and then, you know, I'm like, goodbye. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like that would be a reason for ghosting. Um, I might run into ghosting if I was so overcome with grief, if my, some close family member died and like ghosting for a time being, but I'd probably pop up on the scene like a few weeks later being like, Hey, I'm so sorry. I went through a really major trauma. Uh, but let's just take it in both of those cases. Like is nothing to do with you, you know, like (laughs) it has everything to do with that person and, um, and them being like, not being able to, you know, give, commit to you or give to you has nothing to do with how you're showing up and the person that you are. So when ghosting happens, I just like to encourage people. I know that hurts and it feels really unfair and confusing and it literally has nothing to do with you or your worthiness and value. And in fact, I would say if somebody is ghosting, that's not a person that you want to be with at all. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. If anything, it says more a lot about a lot more about them. And it's I completely agree with what you're saying. It's like, thank God that he showed you this person sooner than later and how they deal with things, because the the reality is that okay say this relationship did go on and they did have this type of character so what happens when you guys need to have difficult conversations or something comes up you know and then you're further along and they're ghosting or they can't handle it or they're being immature right it's like thank god before you went down that path um their character was shown there to almost protect you from going down that road. And clearly they're not ready for a relationship and not the type of person you want to have a relationship with. So it totally is a protection. I think so. It's the rejection is protection example. I'm like, that sucks that they did that. It also depends like how much they know you, you know, obviously ghosting hurts a lot more. If you have invested a lot of time in that person, you've gone on a lot of dates, you spent actual quality time with that person. Um, that always feels way more jarring. You're like, what? Like you don't have the decency, but when it comes to online dating, there's a lot of ghosting happening. And I just am like, this is low stakes y'all. Like it's a person on the internet (laughs) that you don't even know. And, And like that happens a lot and that's a bummer, but like, I'll be really honest that I've probably accidentally ghosted people because it, 
online dating is not my number one priority. Um, and so there's been seasons where like other things have happened and I'm working and I'm like, I totally forgot to respond to that guy. And it was literally just an accident. Oh, you totally. Know? I mean, I told you, Jason thought I was ghosting him. It was the same yeah. thing. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> but um, and, and also yeah. to what you're saying, I, I do often find myself reminding even some of my girlfriends, like exactly like you said, OK, yeah, uh, you might be trying to meet all these standards and whatnot for them. But what about you? Like switching yes. that, reframing that. OK, what do I deserve? Is this a good fit for me? And let's change that language a little bit when we're too heavily focused on the other side, because you are worthy of healthy love. You are worthy of being chosen. You are worthy of all those things, not just what you have to offer to them. Um, yes, we do that a lot. And and remind yourself that there's not very much you can do to deserve ghosting like right. a, a normal person. So if you're if we're personalizing it and we're thinking it's because I did something, I used too many emojis, I said too much. No, the right person that will not be too much for a friend. Right. So like unless you were abusive or something in that nature, you really yeah. didn't deserve to be ghost. So just don't make it about yourself. Yeah, the extra the right heart emoji like is fine. <laughs> Don't, exactly. don't get caught up over that extra heart emoji. It's okay. Yeah. Like we <laughs> wink all the time. Um, so that being said, what role, do, what role do you think today's culture plays in the rejection experienced by so many women, you know, as well as men too, because men get rejected as well. Mm. Yeah. So, okay. So I think that rejection leads a lot to comparison. And, um, Mm -hmm. I think no matter if you're a man or a woman, rejection leads a lot to comparison. And it also leads a lot to that also translates into what I call scarcity mindset or in my book in chapter six, I talk about something called the victim belief system. And when we get rejected a lot and we don't start reckoning with those rejections or depersonalizing rejections, what happens is we start developing a belief system that the world is out to get us that I'll never find a stable and secure love, that there are no good men out there. I hear that a lot from the ladies and, you know, just all these. And really it's like kind of a victim belief mentality that like, I'm just, everyone else is getting it, but not me. Like that girl that she's always going to get it, but not me. And when we live in the victim belief system, man, it feels good. Like it can feel good. I'm like, oh, I feel good. Just blaming the world for all my problems. You know, (laughs) it can feel comforting, but it isn't serving us because what then happens often when we're in the victim belief mentality, um, when we do it either stops us from putting ourselves out there altogether and then makes us, you know, as Christians, I see a lot of people that are like, I'm just, I'm done with it. I'm waiting for God to bring me a person. And I'm like, really? So I I was that person. Yeah. (laughs) It was like, I'm just, it's just going to be me and Jesus for a while. It's like, nah, girl, you have walls. You have walls. Yeah. Yeah. You have walls. (laughs) Who's coming to your door? Unless it's the delivery person as Dr. Cloud says. Yeah. Like for real. Uh, and so it either leads us to not step out at all, which then still perpetuates the same mindset. So then I have the mindset there's, there's no good guys. And I'm just, I'm going to wait for God to bring me the right one. And then the right guy isn't coming because you're literally not moving and you're still in the victim belief system. You're like, well, see, because um, pe- there's no guys asking girls out. And then you have more mentalities that Confirmation are negative. bias. Exactly. Or, or you do, oh my gosh, I'm going to try it. I'm going to step out there. Um, and the first no that you get, the first guy not interested, you're like, see, I'm not interesting. See, I shouldn't even try. See, I'm terrible at dating. I'm, I'm awkward flirter. Like I can't do this dating thing. Dating, like it's just the worst. And 
if you have that mindset, it anything you even a glimmer of that happening in your life will just reinforce it. Mm -hmm. And you'll be so stuck that you will miss opportunities left, right and center. And dating doesn't have to be this like absolutely terrible, like horrible, grueling process. It can actually be fun and exciting and you can grow a lot and learn a lot about yourself. You could experience a lot of things that are even fun and make memories. Uh, but you have to be willing to change the mindset. So when we are dealing with a lot of rejection, I just encourage people to, if you find yourself in scarcity mentality or the victim belief system, we have to transform that. And we have to learn that, um, you know, it's, I'm going to, you know, do a Bible reference right now, but it reminds me of Jesus coming over to the man at the pool of Bethesda, who was an invalid man who was laying there for 38 years. And Jesus comes over to him and says, do you want to be healed? And instead of the man immediately saying, yes, yes. Oh my gosh, I need, yes, I would love to. Instead of that, he goes into the litany of excuses for why nobody has helped him into the healing water and how hard it's been. And, um, and Jesus literally, I'm just imagining him being like, bro, like, wow, your first response wasn't, yes, I want to be healed. It was to complain yeah. and to or in the victim. So Jesus, what I love, Jesus didn't make him get up. Jesus didn't even reach down his hand, but Jesus said, get up off your mat and walk. Meaning he, this man had to take ownership and say, wow, this mentality is not serving me. Yeah. So if I want to get healed, I have to have the mentality that I want to get healed. If you want to date, then you have to have the mentality that you are dateable and that you have to actively participate in that. So we have to take ownership, get up off our mat and start walking. So if rejection has plagued you over and over and over and you find yourself sitting in these lies that you believe about yourself and so fearful of it happening, I'm mm -hmm. like, we got to do some inner work to get yes. out of victim and take ownership so you can get up off your mat and start walking because rejection doesn't have to own your life. <laughs> Woo, preaching. I'm snapping. That's me snapping. Yes. Oh my gosh. I in, I love that verse for one. Um, I love when Jesus asks a question, do you want to be healed? Right? Because he could have healed them. But it's like, but where's your heart positioned? Right? Yes. And and that's such a huge deal. And, and even for me, like after going through a young divorce, becoming a single mom, I had to have that whole healing reframe because at first I was like, Who's going to, you know, be with someone and a kid? Like, who's going to take on a kid? And, you know, I was dealing with all this shame from my divorce. And when that's running, you're starting to see yourself from a deficit. And yeah. you're making up for that. You're trying to make up for that, you know. Um, and yeah. so, but when you're healed, you, and you're like, you know what? No, it, it doesn't have to do with me. This is a choice another person made. This is a part of life. It happens. All those things you talked about earlier. Yes. And then from that healed place, you can, you can show up, you know, for whatever it is, whether it's dating yeah. or another opportunity or whatever it is, you can show up wholeheartedly because you have healed from that shame that was kind of owning your story and owning you. So I yeah. just say that to identify. <laughs> I know what that feels like. I think a lot of us have been there. And so that it's so powerful, that reframe. Mm, it's like saying, you know, what happened to you wasn't necessarily fair, you know, like for you, Brittany, too, like it wasn't necessarily fair. Um, and you didn't have control over how that happened necessarily or why that happened per se. Right. But what we do have control over now is what we do with the pain and we can get stuck in it or we can choose the 
more noble journey, yet very hard, which is to go through the layers to heal and to own it, to own it. But we, we didn't have control over what necessarily happened per se, but we do have control over what we do in the aftermath. And that's the same with rejections as any rejection of any kind. And so I think that there's just a, a bit of empowerment there to say what I realized why I wrote my book is I looked at my journey and I was like, wow, for so many years, I was kind of just living with this belief system that I'm going to like, I can't handle another rejection. I might crumble to the ground right. and like disintegrate out of thin air, you know? And I was letting so many of those things own me versus, and realizing how much I was even rejecting myself because of that. So many mm -hmm. things I believed about myself. Like there's just such a separation between who God created me to be and who I saw myself as and who I was presenting myself to be even to other people. Yeah. And I had to go through all those layers and heal through it because at some point I realized this is just not serving my life. Mm -hmm. Like me trying to find my identity through all these people and all these things and still getting rejected, it makes me feel completely destroyed. And that's not serving my life. There has to be another way than rejection ruling me every single day. Yes. <laughs> and it, there is. There is. And it totally is layers. So be willing to face those layers, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> be willing to face the layers. So yeah. all of that being said, something that you talk about is discovering your own true belonging. Um, what do you mean by that? Let's talk about what it means to own your belonging. Oh, I love this. So I talk about this in chapter four of my book, which is called Sorry, Not Sorry. Okay. And that chapter is all about fighting, fitting in. What I often think we're trying to do in life is fit in. And what fitting in is, it's actually abandoning our identities. It's ab abandoning our identities for a superficial like from somebody because we're trying to do things to morph ourselves, to change so that they'll like us and accept us and be whatever they want us to be. Right. And that is what I've spent a lot of my life doing, especially Enneagram three over here. We're known as chameleons. Yeah, we're and both so threes. Like, I'll be whatever you need yeah. to be. Yes, sure. I can play the piano. Yes, sure. <laughs> I can make dinner. Like I'll do anything. It's so funny. We talk about, we've talked about like when you're dating someone new, it's like showtime. It's like, yes. I can be whoever you need me to be. <laughs> It's like, exactly. oh, let me put on my, oh, you like a well, wife material like that? Let me put on my apron and I'll start performing to be on audition to be your wife. You know, like literally. Like, and so we're trying to, we're not, we've overcome that. We've come a long way. Yeah. That's why we can laugh about it because I'm like, oh man, I did that. But the funny thing is so many people can sense out also when you're doing that, you think you're so sly, yeah. but like meanwhile, a lot of people, like I now can sense when somebody's doing it. I'm like, oh, I love them. And I know that they're just performing right now because yeah. I see that tendency from myself. Because I've done I, it. I, yes. Yes. Done. So fitting in. So it's fighting, not fitting in this chapter. And basically the point is to how do we learn to become sorry, not sorry? Meaning like what are the things that God has uniquely created us to be? Who are we? How has he uniquely fashioned us? Because there are things that we should be unashamed about and proudly claim. Um, yeah. And Brené Brown, my girl. Um, yes, I'm like girl. I feel like we quote her every time we have oh. an episode. <laughs> yeah. Girl, I realized rereading my manuscript, I was like, wow, she's in my book so many times. So I hope somebody reaches out to her <laughs> like, and just incognito is like, you have your biggest fan in this book. <laughs> like, yes. All over the place. But the quote from this chapter about belonging is – 
True belonging doesn't require you to change who you are. It requires you to be who you are. Mm -hmm. And fitting in, again, is not belonging. Belonging is learning first and foremost, how do you belong to yourself? Which means how do I own the unique, who am I? In order to not change to fit in, I need to know what things I'm not changing, which means I have to know what exactly makes me who I am. What are my, what's my belief system? Um, what are the unique things about my personality that I want to own? Uh, there's obviously a difference between taking radical ownership. If you hurt someone, uh, versus just apologizing for being you. I mean, we say apologies for everything. You know, I talk a lot and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I I've talked so much or yeah. I'm so sorry. I look terrible today. And I'm I like, apologize to I apologize to inanimate <laughs> objects when I bump into them. It's like, oh, it's it's a wall. Sorry, wall. <laughs> uh, yeah, right? And it's like... Why am I apologizing? <laughs> why, why am I doing that? So we need to be sorry, not sorry, by learning the things, unless we're being mean to someone, cruel, whatever, right? You're wrong. But how do you learn to just belong to who you are and be who you are in every scenario? Uh, and so I believe that when we can choose to do that, there's less of an ability that rejection can take a hold of us. Because when somebody rejects me, they're just rejecting a part of me. They're not rejecting all of me because I know exactly who I am. And it makes it so that rejection may prick me, but not take me down. And, and to be honest, you said this earlier, but there's actually stats out there that, you know, at minimum, very minimum, 10% of people are not going to like you no matter what you do. And that's a minimum. Yeah. It's probably more that, you know, so, but we try to get everybody to like us, you know what I mean? And so I love the people out there like Enneagram eights who are just like, this is who I am. And I am like bold and this is me. <laughs> and, uh, quote, actually that reminds me of the greatest showman. This, this is me, but honestly, oh, that's I just not heard it play out. in my head. <laughs> We're not going to sing and, it. We're going to spare you guys. <laughs> yeah. But what does it look like to mm -hmm. own the beautiful ways that you've been created? How can you reflect on the ways that you've been shifting and shape, sh like shape shifting and molding yourself to fit in with people? Um, you don't have to fit in with people. You're the people are going to be attracted to the things that you're going to attract people um, that love the things about you that you love about you. But if there are, if you don't know what those are, and if you're not consistently owning them, then why are people attracted to you? Maybe they're attracted to a version of you that isn't really you. <laughs> so you yeah. have to get back. Who is it underneath all those layers and scarves and performance and masking mm -hmm. and trying to fit in? Like who is the core DNA of who you are? Yeah, because then it's, especially speaking for threes at least, because then it's exhausting to keep that performance going if you're trying to be someone that you're not rather than showing up as you are. It's exhausting to continue performing that way. Um, and so I, I love what you're saying. And I think that I'm even reflecting myself, like the people who are so clearly who they are, even if it's very different from me, even if it's very different from some of the things that I believe, there's something very refreshing about the types of people who are just, hello, I am who I am. <laughs> like, this is who I am. Yes. And showing up confidently, whether it's in their craft or in something they're passionate about. Like, even if I don't completely, even if I'm not completely like them or similar to them or what have you, there is always something refreshing to me about that authenticity of people owning who they are. It's like, yes. I love seeing people comfortable in their own skin, you know? And yes. so I guess if that's an encouragement for anyone, it's like, we love to see 
people who are who they are in their skin and who own it. Um, and yes. we want to see you that way too. Just like yeah. we like seeing it in others. Yeah. Nobody wants to only be friends with or only date themselves. And if they do, they're probably narcissistic, <laughs> right? Like, or something. Um, but like, I don't want to marry a version of me. Like, I, I want be- to... Yeah, speaking that of too be, much, that would be terrifying. it would probably be too much. Like, yes, I don't see myself as someone who's too much anymore. But yes, definitely but two dating of you, myself right? would be too much. Yes, 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 100%. So this is the quote on that chapter and that concept that I want to leave everybody with just to like reframe and think about it this way. Start repeating to yourself, this is what I've had to do in therapy. And I did it in a group therapy thing I went to a year and a half ago. And it's been my like motto ever since, which is not one drop of your self-worth depends on other people's acceptance of you. Coming into the mindset that like not one drop of their acceptance of me dictates my self-worth. Like confidence, and Christina Gimme says this, confidence not is not all like they'll like wait hold on I gotta read the actual quote I think I know what the quote is yeah do you know the quote oh my gosh I will be it's not that I'll be okay yeah yeah you you do it (laughs) confidence is not they will like me confidence is I'll be fine if they don't they don't yes there you go it really is that separation learning to separate their choice from your worth two separate things they get so easily enmeshed but even if it's if you're a visual person and if that's what it takes just mentally having that visualization of that separated space between your worth and their choice um it is so helpful when you can learn how to hold space for the two to coexist you know yes yes and like literally that is the most uncomfortable moment when you realize someone doesn't like you and you just accept it you're like okay nothing i can do yeah. And versus going into the zone of what can I do? How can I make them likely? Can I people right. please? Can I overperform? As I if they're the <laughs> only person in the world. I have to say it. Like exactly. who can dictate that choice, your future, your worth. Like there are what, how many, six billion people in the world? Who yes. knows how many opportunities? You said it earlier, the scarcity mindset. That's what it comes from. Like this is the only person. This is my only opportunity. Yes. This is my only chance. This is the only way. And it's just not. Like there are so many other wor- ways there's so many other people out there. There are going to be so many other opportunities. And they'll probably be even much better than you imagine compared to now. Like you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, I was going to settle for this situation. Um, you know, and, and just so exactly. having that, exp- just encouraging people to have a more expansive mindset, the, realizing the mm-hmm. world is so much bigger and there is so much more ahead of you. There really is. Yes. Love I think it. it's hard to see when you're young. When like the younger you are, the harder it is to see that you get older, you go through these things and you realize how resilient you are, how you bounce back, how new opportunities come along and you kind of learn and realize, okay, wait, like one thing, this one thing isn't going to break me. This isn't all there is. So I don't know. I I do think that age does kind of play a role. It has for me. Um, yeah, because in those younger years, you're still figuring out who you are too. You're still, what is it that makes me unique? What do, what passions do I have? You're still figuring that out. So some of it is so just like molding and shaping. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so like in my thirties now, I'm like, oh, I know what those things are. I know pretty much who I am, what I'm passionate about, my strengths and my weaknesses. But when I was 14, 15, whatever, I didn't know all that. I was learning it. Totally. Same here. So if you're listening to this and you're younger, um, 
let's just go ahead and skip you like 10 years ahead and let you know that I promise we promise there's so much more out there um Mm. so all of that being said what is your hope for those who pick up and read your book your baby (laughs) well my book baby oh my gosh it's so cool well (laughs) It's obviously I'm a dating coach. I love talking about dating, but this is so much more than a dating book. It's really what you need in general. If you've faced any kind of life rejection, which I think is everybody, if you have never experienced rejection, please contact me with your secret. Um, because tell us, tell is, us your ways. You're an anomaly. Yeah, yeah. Like, seriously. but pretty much everybody has. And the book not only walks through some of our biggest life rejections and my biggest life rejections, but it also goes through the ways we self reject. Um, and so the reason why I wrote this book was so often in my life, I feel like I was just, I feel like I was just wanting to be seen, um, and wanting somebody that could show me empathy and make me feel seen, heard and loved. And I just don't think I really got that very often in some of my journey. And Mm so Mm -hmm. I have that now, man, I have the best girlfriends and support system and mentor and therapist and all the things. Uh, but I just think throughout some of my more formative years and through some harder situations like abuse, I just didn't have people that I felt really saw me. And maybe it was also because I didn't really know how to even see me. I didn't even know what I was presenting to the world wasn't exactly authentic. And so my hope is that this book makes people feel seen and that's like probably my number one goal that this makes them feel seen that they pick it up and they're like wait somebody gets that somebody gets what it's like to have body shame or to have bits of self-hatred or to go through abuse or have sexual shame and gone through things like the purity culture or um, be betrayed and have to figure out how to trust again or finding you know being on this journey from fitting in to belonging and facing lots of life failures and closed doors and you know struggling with loneliness and feeling so alone and of course being heartbroken which is probably in dating the biggest thing you think of but um yeah so my my goal is that people don't that they feel seen they don't feel alone and that through the telling of my own stories my journey um that they would find the own cur- their own courage to um, tap into the pa- pains of their past and start healing from those things that are affecting how they're walking in their life today. And along the way, pick up tools and new tools. Dust off some of the ones you already have, but then pick up new tools to be able to face rejection in the future. So in such a way that you know it will come. You anticipate it because mm-hmm. rejections will always happen. We have no control over them happening. It's just the way it is I know but which sucks like you kind of expect (laughs) it at a certain point like it's gonna happen it's gonna come it's gonna go yeah yes but you can expect in such a way that it doesn't cripple you and so when it does hit it pricks you instead of taking you down entirely like down for the count you know and that doesn't mean in some of your bigger rejections I went through a breakup last year I was still in major grief. This doesn't mean that like I go through a breakup and I'm like, "Ah, I'm totally fine. No, 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 everyone. Like, um, Brittany would totally call me out if that was me. She'd be like, so Kate, how are you really doing? Yes. Like, are you, you're like not going through the stages of grief over there, are you? (laughs) Like, I'm just trying to skate past all of them to acceptance, you know? No, I mean, the rejection still hurt, but I talk about this in my final chapter. There is a way to grieve, hopefully, meaning Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. um, you grieve, you allow yourself to feel the feels with the pain of whatever that rejection is. 
and you fix your eyes on a hope. Um, and as Christians, we know that there is a hope of future good, knowing the character of God. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know how the redemption story is going to look, but I know one day through time, um, something's going to be redeemed here. There will be beauty from these ashes in some way, mm -hmm. shape or form. Um, and so that is what I hope for people to uh, walk away with, just tools to really help them through the biggest rejections they've experienced, especially their own self-rejections, mm -hmm. and have a hope as they finish reading that like, man, someday, somehow, the pain I've been through will be turned into purpose in whatever way God wants to use it, but it will happen. Mm. Wonderful. Just letting it seek in. We're gonna we're gonna inhale belonging and exhale I don't know. I was gonna say rejection, but I don't think yes. that's the right <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to be all like I don't know. I love that. But um thank you so much for sharing all this. And I, oh that's what I was gonna say. You know, she expounds a lot more on that in our heartbreak episode, in our um, breakup episode about that whole process of grieving and getting through a breakup. So definitely if what she was saying there is resonating with you, definitely go listen to that because we just talk about the reality of I don't know, like crying in a shower, you know, after a breakup. These are real things, you know. Yes. Uh, we talk about that very really and honestly and as a girlfriend I wanted to just say I'm so proud of you I remember when we went to lunch in Westwood yes. and we sat down and you were first talking about getting ready to write this and you really poured your heart and soul to it and you were vulnerable and you put your story out on the pages and that is not easy it's easy to read from the outside but when you are the person who is ex bounding on all this and you're putting your life and your heart out for people to judge and misconstrue however they want and you can't take it back once it's out there especially in yes. print let me just say um i know it's going to be super helpful so for those who are listening who are on the other side just like really appreciating that you are doing this and it's i mean this was already so helpful so thank you for your time and you guys be sure to go grab the book it's at the link in the show notes and be sure to follow kate where can they find you online Yes. Also, just to comment, it does feel like writing a book feels like standing in like Times Square naked. Basically. Yeah, it's like your like heart's just open. Yeah, it's like I'm naked and the entire world can see and there's a lot of bright lights on me. And that is like <laughs> even worse than terrifying. Like, it's like, wow. Hello, everyone. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. Here I am. Here's all the parts. Anyway, yeah, here, here's everything. Uh, yes. Do you like it? Do you judge it? But hey, this is it. I say this in my final chapter. I'm literally like, if you don't like it, thank you for rejecting me. Oh, that's <laughs> good. That is a good note to end on. Oh it's like, oh, if you don't like it, thank you for if rejecting me. If you didn't me. like this book in the end, thank you for rejecting me. <laughs> full circle. Yeah. That's brilliant. It's a full circle moment as I receive reviews on the book. I'm like, well, I have to put my own stuff to the practice <laughs> here. Practice. Okay, everyone? For real. But, um, want to connect i'm on instagram kateness which is k-a-i-t-n-e-s-s -S. and then heart of dating you can get the book on thank you for rejecting me.com and wherever books are sold honestly <laughs> oh my gosh this is so great as you guys can see we can chat forever we want to respect your time so thanks for tuning in until next time